This is our 10th episode. Wow. Well, you don't sound that excited, but I definitely am. I don't think I actually expected us to make it to 10, <laughs> especially because 10 is when you have to like pay for stuff and I'm cheap. Right. So <laughs> You're like, we'll, we'll try it out. If we make it to 10, then we'll talk about paying for shit. Now, but... we're, now we're paying for shit. Yep. And included in the shit we're apparently paying for, we have got a feedback form. I don't know where it is. I don't know how it works, but it is somewhere on the internet. So if you, you probably being my mom, want to tell us what you think of the podcast, you know, that would be, that would be great. Otherwise, we'll continue screaming into the void. And you know what? It's a great metaphor for existence itself. So it's fine. That's what we're all about. Metaphors for existence itself. (laughs) (laughs) That's our new tagline, actually. So... And one other thing that we're trying out is having the spoilers and all the films that we talk about in the description box. So if you are a bit of a spoiler phobe and you want to make sure that you don't get spoiled unexpectedly, you're going to find that information there. And also links to the trailers. So if you're confused about what movie we're talking about, take a peek or don't. It took me like five minutes. Uh, And also, yeah, I think that's it, actually. All right. Well, our 10th episode is apparently our second episode, so I'm going to hand it off to past Carolyn and past Eric and hope they don't fuck it up. So good luck, guys. So before we go on, I I think I'm just trying to make shallow deep. This is as shallow as the pool gets. I don't think there's anything (laughs) more shallow than chasing Cameron or MagCon. I mean, that's basically our tagline. Welcome to We Used to Be the Smart Kids. I'm Carolyn. I'm Eric. And today we're going to talk about the existential horror I suffered while watching Netflix's reality show, Chasing Cameron. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to technical monsters and self-doubt. No, neither of those. We're getting Instagram and narcissism. Close enough. Have you ever heard of Cameron Dallas, who's a person, not a place, or MagCon? MagCon sounds familiar, but Cameron Dallas, I'm drawing a complete blank here. I'm shocked. Both of these things were completely unknown to me until I saw the show. Cameron Dallas was a teenager, I think. Oh, God, not the youths. He was born in 1994. That's not real. And he joined Vine or Instagram in 2012. So he was maybe 16. Okay. No, he was 18. It doesn't matter. Math is hard. Moving on. At the time of the show filming, he was 21. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2016 time frame. So he'd been an internet personality for about five years. Which is apparently the (laughs) expiration date because that's how long you're in high school. Mm. That's my personal theory. How long were you in high school? Five years. (laughs) He came up on Vine. Vine, in case you don't know, was a social media platform that did really short videos. I guess two to six second looping videos. It was bought by Twitter. Twitter shut it down. It had a very, very short life. So this guy spent five years doing two to six second videos is what you're telling me. Yes. They call him a social media influencer. He does not talk about Vine, I suspect, because by 2016 it had been shut down. Mm-hmm. So he only talks about Instagram, but if you Google him, he's known as a Viner. A Viner, that, that's a thing. A Vinist could have been better. He branded himself as an Instagram model, which apparently just means having full pouty lips, looking like a generic yet attractive white man or white tween, and not wearing shirt. I mean, that's how I've gotten this far in life. 
I was too old to be looking at these pictures. I felt dirty. <laughs> I guess if you were like in school, anywhere around 2013, you would have heard of MagCon, the convention of then Vine stars. And mm. they all got together and traveled around doing meet and greets. Yeah, MagCon stands for meet and greet convention. Wow. I've got nothing for that. That's just so dumb. I know. Like, no one can see my <laughs> shit-eating grin, but yeah. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Cameron Dallas was recruited to be a part of MagCon during the first MagCon. There were, I think, like 15 members. And then after one or two tours, Cameron and a couple of other people left because he was poached away because he wasn't being paid for the work he was doing it for the promotion but MagCon is a family mm -hmm. and he missed it so <laughs> he was one of the biggest fish at MagCon he had mm -hmm. one of the uh one of the biggest followings so he restarted MagCon with the guy who he had originally worked with Bart Bordello I'm sorry that's his real name that is apparently his real name. Yes. I would not go to a Bart Bordello. That just sounds like you've got all sorts of things waiting for you behind closed doors. <laughs> You're making me second guess myself. Hold on. I wrote down Bart Bordello. So if Bart Bordello is wrong. Yeah, I don't want to be right. So he, he hires him back as a CEO, which I find confusing because Cameron on numerous occasions says that Bart is a CEO, but Cameron is in charge. It all depends on who's holding the special CEO stick. The 21-year-old Instagram model or the single father of somebody. Those are quite literally all his credentials. He came up with the idea, and he's a single dad. He wanted to help Cameron and the MagCon boys. The MagCon boys. That's okay. what they're called, yeah. <laughs> so they try to call this themselves. This sounds like some Mad Max shit. Witness me as I MagCon. So they were, this is all boys in the Vinest community. In the original MagCon, there was one girl, mm -hmm. Mahogany Locks. And then after that, it was all boys. Yep. Did, did she work in the Bart Bordello? <laughs> I don't think she's a DJ now. MagCon, the show, was run where they had a live show going, and then they would separate the audience, like the VIP ticket holders, into um, different groups to go and do the meet and greets while the show is going on. So the boys who are supposed to be doing the meet and greets are being pulled off the stage to go and stand in meet and greet lines. And then they meet like, I think up to 400 girls a day Okay. through the, through the meet and greets. And then they go back on the stage. But the meet and greets are happening while the live show is happening. So they it, have... This sounds like chlamydia and a disaster waiting to happen. Like picture a high school talent show. Okay. And then dumb it down to middle school. That's about the level the stage show is operating at. They did push-ups. There's videos on YouTube. It's great. I almost made you watch them. <laughs> they did uh, dance-offs with a panda for some reason. Uh, not a real panda. Oh. A man dressed as a panda. Losing or a woman, interest entirely. Or a child. I don't know. Someone was dressed as a panda. It could have been a robot. We don't know. Someone wrapped the ABCs. Like, oh. Unironically, they wrapped the ABCs, and then they held out the mic the way that singers do at a concert mm -hmm. so that the audience can finish the lyrics, and the audience... Without any irony, saying X, Y, Z. Like, so proud of themselves. <laughs> you got it, guys. You know the song. Yeah, right? Ready, set, you go. W, X, Y, and Z. It's gold. Like, I don't know how this existed without a shred of irony. Because it's an incredible <laughs> gold mine 
of high school. <laughs> the Chasing Cameron show is ostensibly about fueling the fire for these teen heartthrobs, basically. So and it was it designed as a train wreck or it just became no, a train Oh, that's the thing. I do not think this was meant to be a train wreck. <laughs> Cameron Dallas executive produced it or produced it. So he was like part of it. Mm -hmm. He announced it as like his partnership with Netflix in 2016 when Netflix was partnering with a couple like social media stars and feeling their way out there. I don't think they intended for this to be a train wreck. I think they intended for this to just be like, get a closer look at your favorite Instagram boy. (laughs) And instead they just revealed this cesspit of incompetence narcissism real poor logistics management which is like my favorite part basically no one could have seen this coming literally anyone could have seen this coming except for the people making the show because all they saw were either dollar signs or likes hey there's a camera it's pointing at me i'm doing my work so i want to cover some like basic things that happen in this show so that you just get a feeling for the train wreck before we start to think talk about like the things that i actually was thinking about while we watched it okay the show covers their european tour so they get real excited to go to europe for like 21 days they all hop on a bus they have a tour bus and they do a couple of like shows in the uk and then they're fine one of them his name was taylor He's literally painted as the antagonist Mm -hmm. because it's a reality show. They need someone to be the bad guy. He's the antagonist because he keeps asking for his per diem (laughs) because they're not paying him. They're genuinely not paying him. And then they have footage of Cameron being like, well, why do you have to get paid? Taylor's like to eat because I'm paying for everyone else to eat. And Cameron's like, there's Pringles on the bus. Why do you have to eat other food? You could have made a turkey sandwich. And Taylor's like, I can't eat turkey sandwiches at Pringles 24-7. I'm supposed to be eating. They got in a fight because there was no stop plan for them to eat food. And Cameron was like, why did you need a stop? Like it was just. Just stick your hand out the window and grab whatever passing food there is. They also tried to talk Taylor out of. What did they do? They basically victim blamed. So Mm -hmm. Taylor liked to live the large life. Mm -hmm. He had an expensive house he rented in the hills. He had a lot of cars. And Cameron was like, he can't afford that, but I didn't make him buy all those cars. You're like, honey, it doesn't matter what he's spending his money on. If you said you were going to pay him, you owe him money. Yeah. He can burn it for all of your business. (laughs) You owe that kid money. Oh, contract law is a thing, no matter how pretty you are. I don't know where the lawyers were. And the only (laughs) one that had a manager was Taylor. Um, so they also have people traveling with MagCon who are not for like the influencers, the meet and greet lines. They're mm-hmm. just supposed to be entertainment. They're about as talented as MagCon boys. Ah, uh, but not Maybe as like, pretty. I mean, they just don't have as many followers. Okay. One of them at one point said that he refused to do meet and greets. He was offered that option. And he straight up called it a ripoff because they pay $200 to do that. He's like, they pay $200 to meet me for five seconds and take a selfie. No. <laughs> So he went in the back and told everyone on stage, I'm not in the meet and greet lines, but I'll be at the merch table if you want a selfie and just did it for free. (laughs) I was like, you are my favorite. You have some morals. You're still in this whole racket, but you have some morals. I'm proud of you. Right. Yes. They left one of the boys on the European tour. They left him in Madrid. They all flew back (laughs) to the States and he woke up. Uh, Because his alarm hadn't gone off. He had no missed calls. He had no texts. Everyone was gone. And he had to figure out how to get home from Madrid. Just take a bull. That's fine. (laughs) When his dad found out, it took uh, 
this kid like a full day to get home. His dad found out and he went to the dinner that they were all attending with Bart to uh-huh. confront Bart and be like, how could you leave my son behind? And Bart genuinely was like, well, your son is 22 years old. He's a full grown adult. He was late to other things. What was I supposed to do? And this kid, this kid's dad was having none of it. He was like, yes, he's 22. If I feel like 22 is too old. But anyway, mm-hmm. yes, he's 22. But you agreed to take responsibility for him when you brought him on this tour. He did not take himself to Europe. You brought him to Europe. You were responsible for him. You were accountable for him. Why didn't you make sure he was home? There is no accountability in the Bart Bordello. Until they turned the cameras off. Mm-hmm. They told him to turn the cameras off. And then they cut to the kid's dad being like, oh, he just said, yes, I should have done that. And it was my mistake. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. And the dad was like, of course it's your mistake. But like, you need to have accountability for these people that you take on tour with you. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, you can't even like take responsibility while cameras are recording you. Like, right. how many pretty boys do I have? I had 18. Now I only have 17. Which, which pretty boy is missing? The black one. Oh. Yeah. The one and only minority. <laughs> And at one point, I think it was Cameron, but it's not really clear which one of the boys just takes one of the girls onto the bus. Oh. And didn't tell the adults. I also use that word very... Very loosely. Yes. yes, That there was like a fan on the bus. So they're just driving to a new country. And then they find (laughs) out that there's like a a girl just on the bus. And so they stop and they take her off the bus. And Cameron is like so livid. And he's convinced it's because... They are trying to police his sex life. Oh, oh, I just, I just threw up a little in my mouth. Yep. Yep. (laughs) He genuinely does not understand that he just cannot take an anonymous girl out of a crowd and bring her onto the bus with him. That's not acceptable. So behind the scene, something's not right. The tour management company, everybody who's doing the the logistics, all of their faces are blurred out. (laughs) Yeah, they never do. Someone didn't get releases. They never do any on camera interviews, which is like very bizarre. And then they just sort of seem to be disgruntled. And every once in a while, Cameron or Bart or somebody will drop how, oh, the tour managers are just threatening to quit again. (laughs) Like they think we can't do the show without them. So in Paris, it all comes to a head Mm -hmm. when there's literally a human crush happening. Mm, Nice. Like they have footage of it. The security guards are pulling the girls over the barrier in the front as they're fainting and taking them outside. And Mm -hmm. the tour management company with their faces blurred are telling Cameron that they need to cancel the show. They're Mm -hmm. in the middle of the show and they need to cancel the show. And Cameron refuses to do that. He's like, what do you need to do? Do you need to put up more barriers? Like, tell me what you need. And then I will go on stage and tell the girls what to do. Because he apparently is a god and he can control a mob. He is the teen girl whisperer. So he goes on stage and tells the girls to step back. And they don't Mm -hmm. because that's not how this works. No. In the middle of the show. That's showing weakness. The tour management company up and quits. Nice. Because Cameron's like, if you just keep threatening to quit, then just quit then. Fine. So they do. They walk. Mm -hmm. They go up on stage and take the sound equipment. This is ours. And there's a clip. This is coming home with us. There's a clip of Bart going, we didn't own that. That's not (laughs) ours. We don't own that. (laughs) The security leaves because they worked with the tour management company. Mm -hmm. The people who do like the logistics and the passports. They all walk. There's a clip of Bart going, I don't 
I don't know if the bus drivers worked for us or for them. I don't have their phone numbers. I don't know how to get around this country. Do I have the passports? I don't know if I have the passports. I don't speak any of the languages. And then one of the boys comes in from the back and he's like, yo, what are you doing? We need you out there. We're trying to set up the iPhone on the stage for the music. Why are you giving an interview? And Bart's like, I thought that was taken care of. So they have to finish the rest of the tour without their management company. And they present it as like, we never needed them anyway. We all just had to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh-huh. Everybody had to pitch in. It's a nightmare. <laughs> the next episodes are just shots of these boys getting literally mobbed in shopping malls and outside of their hotels. Like the worst kind of celebrity worship that you've ever seen. It looks like mm-hmm. they're going to get eaten. <laughs> Teen girls are lionesses <laughs> and they're the wheat gazelles and they're just pouncing. Like I really thought they were going to get pulled limb from limb a few times. All pretty, pretty gazelles. On the one hand, I was like, that's terrifying. That is a terrifying situation to be in. On the other hand, it's like, why don't you hire some security? <laughs> like, people have that job. Like, you don't need the management company to hire security. You can say, hey, you look like a big, tough guy. You hang out with me for a bit. Yeah, people definitely work security in Europe. <laughs> you can afford that. Oh, no. That, they, they sell all the savings they got from firing the management company. Firing. They do the Australian leg of the tour separate. So they go back to the States for a couple of days. They fly to Australia. I'm having a new tour management company in Australia. She appears on camera. She does an interview. Her name was Charney. She was the tour manager. Charney? Charney. C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. Like Charnel House, but cute. Yes. Don't diss Charney. We love Charney. Okay, we love Charney. It was literally her job to drop wisdom bombs in her interview. (laughs) Like, if I was managing these boys... I would be more focused on setting them up to have a career after this and then just sort of shrugging and walking away. They had a video of them in Australia just chucking gallons of milk at the walls and the floor of wherever they were. I don't know, the bus, the green room, whatever. It was disgusting. (laughs) And then they showed Charney cleaning it up and the people behind camera... Somebody behind camera asked Charney if she'd ever dealt with stuff like this before. And she was like, well, not this bad. <laughs> Charney, what, what nightmares are in your closet? What, I know, what have right? you dealt with in the past? It's really horrifying. Oh, yeah. Charney's like, yeah, I, I managed ACDC for a bit. They had a t- shit ton of groupies. It was never this bad. ACDC never threw milk at me. So then the final episode. Mm-hmm. Um, after all of this drama goes down. Murder, suicide, murder, suicide, murder, suicide. No, they all went on a trip together. They went paragliding together and uh-huh. horseback riding together. And they talked about how MagCon is family. And they're so excited to do it again. And it's just a great experience. <laughs> we almost had three deaths in the last <laughs> week alone. But great experience, guys. I realized I was a vapid, meaningless shell of a human being. And I can't wait to do it again. They were just trying to cherry the shit Sunday, and it was boring and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even tell you when Cameron left one of the baby Instagrammers outside of the Teen Choice Awards. Yep, he just abandoned him. A 13-year-old kid had to find his own way home. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about was... Bart. Bart mm-hmm. himself. Bart Bordello. Yes, please use the man's full name. <laughs> I'm really I'm really questioning whether I got that right now. <laughs> I got it wrong. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, new information has come to light. His, Bart Bordello is no more. His name is Bart Bordelon. Borderline? Bordelon. <laughs> like Bordello, but with an N at the end. Bordelon. Uh, I feel deceived. 
I'm a little hurt right now. I vote for continuing with Bart Bordello. Uh, agreed. Bart <laughs> Bordello this, this it is. Bordello of young boys. <laughs> okay, so Bart Bordello. I did not look very hard, but I could not find any job that this man had before inventing MagCon. And he created MagCon because he saw another kid. His name was Aaron Carpenter, I think. He mm-hmm. arranged a meet and greet at a mall. And Bart Bordello saw dollar signs. Yeah. And was just like, this can be a real thing. Mm -hmm. This could make me money for my child of a single father. Yes, he references the fact that he's a single father quite a lot. (laughs) And it's very uncomfortable because he also talks about how he views himself as a father figure to Cameron Mm -hmm. and a lot of the other boys. He (sighs) He points out that a lot of the boys don't have fathers in their lives for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and it's true they don't at one point later on in the show i kind of glossed over this but on the australian tour they have a second wave of MagCon, basically so they have like the 18 to 20 year olds and then they have a new group of them who are like 13 to 15 Mm -hmm. no parental supervision not delightful there's just this group of 13 to 15 year old boys traveling with this group of 18 to 20 year old boys and they'll show shots of the tour bus and bart bordello and like the other adults will kind of roll their eyes like how did i get myself into this mess but like there's no like there's not even a camp counselor present (laughs) the little boys the 13 to 14 year olds have wedged themselves into the luggage racks of like a not a tour van, but like, um, you know, like a Greyhound bus. Yeah. So they've wedged themselves into the overhead luggage racks mm-hmm. and no one tells them to get down. They're just traveling across Australia, <laughs> laying in the luggage racks. I was we losing... are back to the Mad Max metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was horrifying. Everyone thought it was funny. They were like, how'd you get up there? And you're like, cause like a 13 year old boy is basically a monkey. Mm-hmm. And Bart talks about how Cameron's going to age out of the tween group. But, like, he really wants to be there for him. But if he's going to age out of the tween group, he really needs to get more MagCon stars going. (laughs) Cameron is under the impression that he can take new social media influencers under his wing and Mm -hmm. travel with them. And, like, bring them up as the next MagCon stars. Because I think he genuinely had the realization that he would age out of this while filming Chasing Cameron. Good job, Cameron. And that's, like, part of what fuels his existential crisis halfway through the show (laughs) where he starts having panic attacks. Is, like, the knowledge that this is the end. Oh, God, I won't be pretty forever. And he was right. His career basically disappeared in 2017. Nice. Like, he won a bunch of... He was nominated for 11 awards, and he won, like, five of them. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, Teen Choice Awards. Oh, uh, okay. They're kind of meaningless. Yeah. And sure, he should be proud of his accomplishments, but, like, then he was then he was obsolete. Yeah. Like You this, got your moment in the slime, and now you're gone. Yep. This was his last hurrah. We caught the star fading out, nice. and it was beautiful. Anyway... At one point, Bart is back in L.A. while everyone else is on tour because Cameron left him in L.A. because he hated him. Mm, poor Bart Bordello. And you're watching him try and build the MagCon brand. Mm-hmm. For reference, there was maybe one more MagCon after this before it died forever. <laughs> like, You see him whining and dining a 13-year-old up-and-coming Instagrammer. White tablecloth restaurant, roses on the table, fancy-looking menu, 
and oh, Bart, Bart Portello. Just Bart, just this 13-year-old. Like this kid had to have been traveling with a parent or guardian, but you don't see them at the table. Well, they were not like, invited to the Bart Portello seduction technique. <laughs> there wasn't a spot for them at the table. Mm-hmm. So it was just a grown man and this little kid and he's trying to sell him on joining MagCon. And at one point he just asks him, do you have a father? And the kid is taken aback. Like he's, the kid's totally out of his depth, but he's yeah. trying, he's hanging in there. And he's like, well, no, my dad like left. And Bart's just like, yeah, I noticed that a lot of these social media kids, their fathers just leave. <laughs> and then they have like an absentee father place in their lives. Why do you think that is? Tell me 13 year old. Yes. <laughs> It was just so wrong feeling and so uncomfortable and it felt very predatory. Yeah. And like he never addresses the inherent conflict of interest between wanting to be someone's parent and wanting to profit off of them. Yeah. This is not the Jackson 5. This is, there are labor laws now. That's also never addressed. Like I don't understand how they could travel with these boys and not have supervision. Like who was in charge of them? Oh, so yeah, when you started watching this, you just immediately texted me like, yeah, we're doing an episode on this. I have no idea what this is, but okay, Kara, let's do an episode on this. What really caught your interest in this? What made you decide right away, I need to talk about this? It was just the the show that they thought that they were making. Like mm-hmm. Even the intro was Cameron um, doing a voiceover of like, living life online is crazy, especially when you have fans like mine. They really just thought it was some wholesome keeping up with the Kardashians nonsense. <laughs> and you could just see right away that it was not that. Mm-hmm. It, it was a train wreck in slow motion of someone's career ending around them. I mean, as a 21-year-old, how are you supposed to know your career is ending? Mm-hmm. This is all you've known. Hey, I got famous for doing this thing. Clearly, it's going to work forever. Like, he clearly thought he had a skill. Mm-hmm. He'd go on about how people didn't understand how influential social media was. And this came out in 2016. So he was correct in that because of his group, people started to pay more attention to social media. Like at Mm -hmm. one point he texted in some European city, and I want to say it was Milan, but I could be wrong, that he was there because big brands were not paying attention to him and they had to shut down an entire block of Milan because the street was so packed with people. He was incredibly popular when he was popular. Mm -hmm. But you have no idea who he is now, and it's only four years later. I didn't know who he was then, so it's it's outside of my sphere of influence. Like I'm not saying there's wrong it's wrong to know who he was, but I this is just complete surprise to me. I have no clue who this guy is, and I'm just discovering this now. So you wanna talk about the girls? (laughs) I do want to talk about the girls. So the audience was just girls. Mm-hmm. Like, I tried to play Spot the Boy, and, like, I couldn't find a single boy in the audience. It was, like, literally just tween girls. And Cameron only calls them girls. Like, mm-hmm. the the fan base at large is only referenced as girls. Yes, and other circles are known as groupies. Well, yeah, I was avoiding that word. But, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, because <laughs> accurate. But, well, I do know why, because I feel like the poor teen girls just developed a parasocial relationship with these social media stars Mm -hmm. and now everybody's dumping on them yeah like i feel like it's hard to make fun of magcon and these boys without also making fun of the people who made them famous Mm -hmm. that makes me like deeply uncomfortable i mean these are grown-ass adults taking advantage of 
Not all of them are grown-ass adults. Okay. But these are somewhat older male figures taking advantage of young teen and preteen girls and their normal fixation on cute boys. Like, this is not a crime. This is a normal thing girls do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's completely normal. I was trying to come up with whether or not there was a comparable guy version. And the only thing I can think of is porn, honestly. (laughs) And this I'm really curious about. No, walk me through this. Come on. Girls develop fixations on teen heartthrobs because Mm -hmm. they have a crush on them. They're basically... I don't know. Can you just say displacing They're lust? saying, hey, this is I can safely lust after this person because it will never happen. I'm not going to be shamed for it because I'm never going to be in a lo- alone in a room with them. I'm never going to have to see them naked. I don't even know what their penis looks like. I never will. And... But I, I actually think there's less lust and it's more romance. Like yeah. You just you want that dude to tell you that you're special and pretty and admired and he sees that. Mm-hmm. You're the special girl that he picked out of a crowd and took on his tour bus with him to make you feel special. <laughs> Across count- country lines, borders, that's the word. Because <laughs> he understood how awesome you were and unique Mm -hmm. like that's what a girl gets out of this crush yeah and i don't think that that's unhealthy or bad i think it can be really beneficial because it can give them more confidence it can lift their self-esteem it lets Mm -hmm. them explore fantasies in a safe way like it's a good it's a totally normal thing yeah but that market gets monetized in this Mm -hmm. way that i feel sort of gross about and i can't totally identify what that is like there's this is tiger beat ramped up to insane degrees yeah yes I was this looking is up... tiger beat but attainable like you could go pay 200 dollars and meet this guy you can't do the same thing for scott bayo or whoever the heartthrob of today is i i am deeply embarrassed i just said scott bayo yeah the only ones i come up with jo- were jonathan taylor thomas and mm. leonardo dicaprio those are better there's a long storied history i don't know if it's storied with monetizing the teen girl market without any respect to teen girls without any respect to teen girls the people who profit off of them oh yeah. don't have any respect yeah. for them even when you look back on it as a grown woman you're ashamed of your own behavior you're ashamed for being exploited by this you're okay. ashamed of being a part of it mm. you're ashamed of the little fantasies that you played in your head and you're ashamed of the tweets that you made at least from my personal experience like you don't want to be reminded that you were ever that like giggly doofy dumb girl because you're like a mature person now and you know that reality's not like that and you will never kiss jonathan taylor thomas tragically no Mm -hmm. because he grew up real hot he's very good looking now Mm -hmm. i just don't see that demographic or market or whatever mirrored for boys and i don't know if that's because i'm not a boy so i don't see it no there's no like there's a reason it's win a date with tad hamilton as a movie rather than any other boy falling in love with a teen heartthrob girl it's not a love thing it's definitely a lust thing in the culture maybe i'm just on my feminist high horse but i i don't think men are shamed for it in the same way no, they're more are. encouraged. That's why there's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition every year. But I just feel like girls fall in love and boys fall in lust. Mm-hmm. I don't think men are like, oh, no, I watched porn when I was 14 and I had a <laughs> fantasy about a threesome and it was so gross. I don't know. Maybe no, that does happen. you're not for that. That's... That's boys will be boys. That's boys will be boys. The girls who are the fans who are the real victims here because, yeah, it's not terrible that you're not known but the fact that you're not known is because your fans are preteen girls and that's not considered a very marketable demographic 
I would hesitate to call them victims. Okay. But I would agree that there is something weird there. It's, it's, I want to say it's beneath our notice, but like in a hoity-toity way. It's, it's not... lower than low culture. Yeah. You yes. can have expendables and race cars and explosions, but if you get too big a girl demographic, no. No, that's that's not desirable at all. But like their money is just as good as anybody else's mm-hmm. money, and they spend money. Yes. I think it was the TV show Young Justice that... Got canceled. It was doing great ratings, but their demographics skewed too heavily towards girls. And they're like, no, we don't want that for our superhero show. And they just canceled it. Is their money worth less? Like, I mean, they get paid 78 cents to the dollar, but that means their dollar spends 78 cents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's the other thing. They're profiting off of it. They're getting the attention for it, but they don't care about the fans, like, really at all. No. I don't know. It's just, it's something that rubs me the wrong way, and I can't identify why. I mean, do they show any sympathy for the girls who are coming to see their show? Do they show any interest in them? Or is it just 200 bucks selfie time? It's Cameron's show and he is shown showing sympathy for them, but like in a very emotionally confused way. Okay, go on. So at one point, they have to cancel a show. They were in Germany and they went to a club the night before. And they got into a fight with a bunch of people on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. They were all bloodied up. And they had to go to the hospital, so the tour managers were up late with them. Mm-hmm. So they were probably trying to get them out of legal trouble. It's like a 21-year-old and a 20-year-old recounting the reason they had to fight. Oh, yeah. Because they were just sticking up for their boys, you mm-hmm. know? The next day, the tour managers canceled the show. They said that they weren't going to do the show because they had to be up so late taking care of the talent. Mm-hmm. So Cameron Dallas lost his mind and was like, we can run the show without you. We don't need you. They did not run the show. So mm-hmm. the show was canceled and Cameron was like really pissed about that. And he just was obsessed with how they were disappointing their fans. So he came out of a doorway in the hotel and runs into two of his fans who, of course, recognize him. And the one girl just starts bawling about how they canceled the show and she was so desperate to meet Cameron and she was supposed to meet him. She is crying to his face while holding his hand uh-huh. about how she wanted to meet him. And he, <laughs> he's clearly out of his emotional depth. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what to do. He's very uncomfortable. He just keeps being like, but I'm right here. Please stop crying. We'll come back. And this girl is just like unloading these feelings, yeah. whatever they are. The feelings that she's been throwing into this parasocial relationship. And now here's the spigot. I I guess feelings of betrayal because she thought that he would never come back. And Mm -hmm. it's just wildly confusing because there was no actual meeting of him, even though this is the only moment when she could have actually met him as a human. Yeah, this is the time where you don't have to spend $200. This is where you could actually form not a fully social relationship, but a deeper relationship than, hey, this is the guy on the vines. Right? You ran into a dude in a hotel room. Like, you can talk to that human being if he wants to talk to you. Yeah. And he's clearly putting in an effort right now, and you don't know how to deal with that. And he didn't, yeah, and he didn't either. So he was just, like, talking nonstop about how he couldn't believe he let down their fans, and they did eventually end up going back. So he does feel some responsibility towards them, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's not an awareness of who he is to them. 
Okay. Like I heard this when I was in grad school. I heard this theory about like if you're going to be a public figure, you have to be like an onion. Have you heard this? No, go on. It's the same as an ogre. Basically, (laughs) if you're a writer or an artist or any kind of public figure, you have to live in layers and you have to be aware of the layers that you're giving away and you Mm -hmm. never, ever, ever give all the way to the inside away. You have to keep that to yourself. And I feel like no one ever talked to these boys about that. So they're giving away things freely. They're giving away everything they have. And then there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. There's there's no onion down at the center. Right. They're not holding anything back for their families or their personal lives. Their personal lives are their public lives. Mm-hmm. And like they don't have anything to give away except for their faces because they <laughs> they genuinely don't have any talent. And I yeah. don't mean this in like a mean, aggressive, or nasty way. It's okay. You can be mean, aggressive, and nasty about this, but go on. But like they're just Joe Schmo from down the street. They're mm-hmm. not actually good singers. They don't know what modeling is. They're not really capable of doing it. He's not an artist. They think they're doing comedy sketches, but like in the same way that high school boys think they're funny. (laughs) They're just obnoxious. Yeah. There's no depth. There's no interest. There's nothing to hide behind and there's nothing to offer. So when they have hordes of fans coming at them asking for something, Mm -hmm. like telling them, you saved my life. I was going to commit suicide, but I watched your vines every day. Like these girls in the meet and greet line say these things to these boys. Wow. They have nothing to think of themselves or to give. It's there, either... There's no layers in between that. There's just... There's no protection. Right, yeah. You just assume, oh, yeah, I did that. I'm just that good. Well, you assume that or you realize that you're you're vacant. Or a massive fake, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if I would call you a fake because, like, all you did was post videos on Instagram, but, like, you're just... You're shallow. Mm-hmm. You have nothing. It's totally weird. And they don't know how to respond either to like girls saying that they saved their lives or that they stopped cutting because of them. Like no one has given them any emotional awareness training. Mm-hmm. If that's a thing, it should be a thing. Like how? Like what do, do they you... talk amongst themselves about this afterwards or is it just? There was one clip of them early on talking over like burgers. Like, isn't it crazy? This girl told me that she stopped cutting because of me. And they were just like, wow, that's a <laughs> lot of, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> But there's like no commentary. Like, how do you respond to that? How do you deal with that emotionally? And how, if you're in a meet and greet line, there has to be training for this. Do you make everyone feel like their time is well spent, their Mm -hmm. money is well spent, and they're getting your full attention while also not actually meeting 400 people? Yeah. Which is impossible. And they, you watch them burn out from meeting 400 girls a day, multiple days in a row. Yeah. Without any buddy intervening intervening or like teaching them how to navigate that yeah not to throw stereotypes but these are teenage girls who are just figuring out how to deal with their own emotions so how are they going to react if they don't get that connection they want and they they come up and they treat these boys as if they're their boyfriends Mm -hmm. like they jump on them there's this great montage when cameron's like truly burning out and he says he's having panic attacks you just see girl after girl after girl coming up to him without asking for his permission and jumping into his arms her whole body weight like totally feet off the floor so like a bridal carry that's what it's called or jumping onto his back like the strain it puts on him physically let alone emotionally to just be like posing as these people's boyfriends yeah is like insane And then off to the side, you see Bart, the fake CEO, like talking to his little walkie-talkie because, of course, he has one of those. Oh, yeah. 
saying that the girls jumping on him is really physically wearing him out because they've been <laughs> talking kind of amongst themselves about how to get Cameron through the tour. Yeah. And he's like, the girls jumping on him is really wearing him out, but I don't want to tell them to stop and no one else should because I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> and you're like you're the adult in the room it's your job you got these boys on the tour it's your job to protect these boys you can say the rules are starting now no one jumps on him you can say that you can say that and you can lose your 200 hundred dollar meet and greet if you do it yeah that's a completely acceptable thing to do Mm -hmm. and they also they come up and they like take both of his hands and they stare deeply into his eyes (laughs) To, like confess whatever it is they want to confess and like imagining that outpouring of emotion which i have felt from people i'm very close to yeah like that's intense mm-hmm. to like just absorb all of that and then then you turn around and there's an ex-girl jumping on you yeah. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> that's too much oh and then they go and police his sex life god how dare they <laughs> he just wanted to meet a real girl A real face from the faceless mob and the good smelling hair. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him. (laughs) Like, I want to make fun of him, and I also felt so bad for him. It's a tragic comedy. That's basically what you're describing. He's gotten everything he ever wished for, and it's killing him. It was like watching a really well-made literary story. (laughs) But they were making a reality show about an Instagram Mm -hmm. star. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, who was in the editing booth putting this together that made it this I want to know. Compelling. Yeah. I want to watch everything they've ever made. <laughs> I find this kind of shallow fame fascinating. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you, as the famous person, become the commodity and you have to find new and different ways to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. And squaring that in your head and, like, examining who you have to be to be that person, I think, is... is... Yeah, it's the famous for being famous yeah. circle. A lot of people in America just want to be famous. They Mm -hmm. just want to be looked at. They want the attention and they want the validation. And it is completely divorced from their talents, their career goals, or their Mm -hmm. ambitions. They just want thousands and thousands, millions of people to like them. Yeah. Cameron found out a way to do that. Cameron unlocked the code. And then lost it. (laughs) Because he didn't understand what it was and he didn't understand what it would take from him. And I guess the cost of fame, I found really interesting. Like it was a documentary that was supposed to enhance his career. And I think it just showed how over it was. Yeah. How over it was. And yeah, what it, the price he had to pay Mm -hmm. to be that person, to be the generic white boy that every girl has a crush on. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) Right up until that crush faded and they found real people. Right until you go to college and you get some actual dick. (laughs) I don't recommend that anyone watch Chasing Cameron. Frankly, (laughs) like I don't regret watching it, but I cannot suggest it as like a good show. Yeah, I don't really have a conclusion past that. (laughs) You know, weird stories about fame. Pass them on. Yep. Anyway, thanks for listening. (laughs) That was our episode on Chasing Cameron. If you'd like to watch it, we don't recommend it, but it's on Netflix. And Cameron, don't sue us. If you liked this, you should leave us a review. That's apparently helpful. But also, if you didn't like this, don't. Because we're still learning. (laughs) (laughs) I have plans to get better.
Thanks for listening. Our intro music is from Tim Beak. You can find him at timbeak.com. And our outro music is by One Man Symphony, and you can find them at onemansymphony.com.